0: Hail the road, a sweet a thigh, hurroo, hurroo. the road, a sweet a thigh, hurroo,
1: hurroo. the road, a sweet a thigh, a stick in the hand, a drop in the eye, a doleful damsel, lighted cry. Johnny, I hardly knew ya.
0: Welcome back to the Pillars of Smoke podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Mag. Happy St. Patrick's Day, y'all. Let's Let's get into it. it. Let's go. All right, laddie. Um, Dropkick Murphy's. Yes, sir. Oh man. Such a good band too. It, it, look, if you're not an Irish punk, you're not gonna get it. But uh, there's a lot of them. Flogging Molly and Dropkick are probably like the two most prominent out there. Fun fact. I don't know anything <laughs> about <laughs> Irish punk. <laughs> uh, I don't know a lot either. I mean I know there's a lot of Irish punk bands out there, but like the two biggest ones. Dropkick Murphy's and Flogging Molly. Nice. Flogging, so Molly. Flogging yeah. Molly. Flogging so Molly. So, if you want to go ahead and uh, get some Irish punk on for your St. Patrick's Day, those are two bands to start off with. Just look up one of them and hit radio. There you go. And you got yourself a good mix there. Yeah. Um, fun fact my dad. Went to, so, I used to listen to this band a lot in my early 20s. Um, and my dad, one year, he was in Boston. During St. Patrick's Day, nice on a, of all things on a business trip. Um, he just it, it just happened to line up for him. Uh, but it was cool because he he texts me and he's like, "Hey, son, uh, one of my friends up here uh invited me to go to this concert because he had an extra ticket and his friend was originally going to go with him, but he like he he backed out because he he went out of town." Um. But you know it's like VIP passes because yeah. he's like really good friends with one of the with one of the members of the band and we're gonna go see them and just do you do you know them? I'm like, Well I mean you haven't told me the name. And he's like, Oh, it's dropkick Murphy's. I was like, I'm sorry. Are you going to see <laughs> Dropkick Murphys and you don't know who they are on St. Patrick's Day in Boston? Yeah. And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, please bring me back something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Man, I would be so jealous. He brought me back this awesome freaking tour shirt. That it's, uh, it's just a black shirt, and then on the back, it has, like, their, their like, skull logo with, like, all, like, this Celtic design. It's, oh, it was awesome. But uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. Fun fact for that one. Well, there we go. Ow! Uh, oh, I cut it. My bad. No, it, you're good. Oops. You're good. Um, man. St. Patrick's Day is funny though, because like it's it's seen as like a drinking holiday. Yeah, it is. But when you actually look at who like St. Patrick was, mm-hmm. he was a priest. Yep. Who, Interesting. He was a priest who converted the in, nearly the entire island mm-hmm. of Ireland. He nearly converted. I think it was like ninety five percent of the country mm. over to Catholicism. Wow.
1: Wow. I'd never heard of him. Never heard of him? No. Nope. Never heard of St. Patrick? Nope.
0: He's not a leprechaun.
1: He's not a leprechaun. He's not
0: a leprechaun. He was a priest.
1: I'm sure he got a little pot of gold
0: at the end of that. <laughs> Actually, no. He was a very humble priest. I'm sure he was. He was a very humble priest. They but all are. Speaking of priests, and speaking of people that we hardly knew, mm-hmm. jumping back into Hebrews today. Oh, hello. Uh, last last episode, if you were uh, following along with us, there's this little... There was, there was a, uh, a guy named Melchizedek, wow. that popped up. A And Me And Melchizedek is uh, <laughs> Melchizedek. <laughs> uh, Melchizedek there's, there's this, this guy named Melchizedek that pops up, oh yeah. and it said that Jesus is a priest in his order mm. but we hardly know who Melchizedek is. So we're going to learn a little bit today about who Melchizedek was why it's important that Jesus is part of that same priestly order. Wow. And what that means for us. Nice.
1: Nice. So
0: Hebrews chapter seven. Let's get into
1: it. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun today, guys.
0: Hebrews chapter seven, verse one says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a 10th part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem. That is king of peace. He is without fear or mother. He's a, I'm sorry, not fear. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God. He continues a priest forever. Well, wow. that is a lot. In three verses, yeah, and it feels like much. I feel like Hebrews talks about Melchizedek more than Genesis actually did. Uh, he has like three verses in I Genesis <laughs> fourteen, <laughs> Genesis fourteen, seventeen through twenty-two. That's about yeah, it. That's, that's all we it. hear from Melchizedek. And there's that's like it. a whole chapter on him. And there's like a mention of Hebrews. there's like a brief mention of of him in Psalms as mm-hmm. well. I think it's Psalms one ten.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: but Meg, tell us who was Melchizedek?
1: Man, like the text says, Melchizedek uh, was a king, and he was, um, and he was a priest. He was a king of Salem. What's, which where, where is Salem? So Salem is a city in the ancient Near East. Uh, it's a town, um, city, state, I guess, in the ancient Near East. And Melchizedek was the priest. It was the king and priest of it. <laughs> <laughs> We know because we know so much <laughs> about. No, um, yeah, Mark, we know so deck. much about it. No, but uh, you know we can deduce from his name that his, interestingly enough, his name means um, uh, righteous king, mm-hmm. and we know that Salem is we get, uh, we get the name Jerusalem. Oh, um, the derivative. Yeah, it's derived. You know, part of Jerusalem is derived from Salem, which means shalom. peace. I Meet mean, shalom. And that turns into peace, which is interesting to know that um, that Melchizedek is the king of peace. He's the righteous king He's of peace. He's the righteous king of peace in Salem, kind of alluding to who he was and his per and like the the ministry that he held mm. in, in that time. There's um, I heard it said that Melchizedek is like a comet. Mm. He is seen very, very quickly, very briefly for a very, very, very short period of time, but makes an immense impact when you see it Hmm. and has an immense impact when you see it and you notice him.
0: I can can imagine. I mean, coming coming from what this is saying in in verse 2 or even verse 1, just Abraham met this guy. Mm -hmm. And like, if you go back to the story in Genesis, it's, 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 he's a very big anomaly. Yeah. Because you've never heard of him before. You've never seen any type of interaction with, between Abraham and him. Um, And yet he goes into, like Abraham goes into the Valley of the Kings after this huge battle that he's had with other Kings. Yeah. And he meets Melchizedek in the middle of the, in the middle of the Valley. And it's like, wait a minute. Where does this guy even come from? This mm-hmm. isn't making it like who are you, guy? Like, so it's 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 a it's a it's a thing that me and Mag were talking about earlier, where it's um, it kind of shows that there were people who were worshiping God outside of just Abraham, yeah, prior to the Hebrew and Israelites becoming who they were, right. Like there was people already on the earth that were worshiping God, and there was a whole priestly order mm-hmm. of people that were worshiping God and the one putting true up God. sacrifices and, to the one true God, the God, right. the, the God most high, the most high God. Like, I
1: feel like a lot, you know, what happens a lot within uh, within the Protestant Church, and I, something that I that I've noticed more recently is that. There are certain aspects of the Old Testament that many churches, many uh, Bible teachers kind of like don't touch on. Yeah. And this is definitely one of them. Yes. It's what was going on before Abraham. And Mm. I feel like most of the time, whenever anyone ever flips to Genesis... As a citation, as a reference, even as a teaching.
0: It starts like when it starts at chapter 12. Yeah, it (laughs) starts like chapter 12,
1: chapter 15. But like, (coughs) let's see what was going on before that. Like, Mm -hmm. let's look at chapter 14. Mm -hmm. Look at, you know, even further back than that. uh, Before the flood. Before the flood, what was going on? And people have been worshiping God from the beginning of time. Oh, yeah. And this is just another illustration of people worshiping God, and there mm-hmm. were great faithful uh, men and women who right. were faithfully worshiping God in that time, and Melchizedek is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that there's quite a bit of controversy yeah. around Melchizedek. You know, there's some people say that he is a Christophany. What's, some a, people,
0: what's a Christophany?
1: uh it's an appearance of Jesus like it's basically like Jesus appearing before
0: mm-hmm. um, before his incarnation mm. so um, we see i mean we see that with like whenever you see the angel of the lord yeah. or the, or, the, or the commander of god's army or exactly. something like that with exactly. the old testament exactly exactly
1: um, some people attribute you know um, that Melchizedek is an incarnation of Jesus before um, before his arrival, his his actual incarnation, mm-hmm. in um, um,
0: and they take that because they, like there's no genealogy for him, right? Like you he know, it says in the nowhere. text
1: that he has no mother and no father, but we all that tells us is, is that we don't know just who his mother no and father genealogy was. <laughs> of That's all it says. That's all there is there, and you know which is weird because Genesis is the book of genealogies, right? All like most genealogies that we know and we can trace back to Jesus mm-hmm. are all in uh, in Genesis, mm-hmm. which for me personally, just because Melchizedek doesn't have um, a proper genealogy, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily like recorded in Genesis doesn't mean that he wasn't an actual person. I'm not. I don't want to venture to say, oh no, it wasn't Jesus. Right. But I'm just gonna say that. The genealogies that we do have, the purpose that they serve is to point us to the to Jesus right. and to trace Jesus' genealogy. I think that if Melchizedek would have actually been Jesus, the text would have told us. Yeah. Hey, this is Jesus appeared, or it wouldn't have said Jesus, but the Lord appeared as right. Melchizedek or whatever. But it says that he appeared as righteous king. Right. So I don't know. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe there isn't. We don't have enough evidence here, textually, right. to to make a concrete um, decision. There are some great debates out there about oh, yes. it. There's some fire debates books, out there. There's entire books that have not
0: written about him. Yeah. So so now that we have a better concept of who Melchizedek is, mm-hmm. let's see the relationship that he had with Abraham. Let's do it. Uh, so verse Hebrews seven verse four. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people." (coughs) that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid ties through Abraham for he, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor <laughs> <laughs> when Melchizedek met him <laughs> 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 You know when your parents tell you like you weren't even thought you were still inside me before, you know, that was that's pretty much what uh the author of Hebrews just said there. But we oh, see God. this we we it's we funny. see this uh <coughs> we see this relationship here that Abraham has with Melchizedek. Yeah. Um specifically I think like the biggest I think the biggest one that really sticks out is verse seven. It is beyond dispute. That the inferior is blessed by the superior. Yeah, where Abraham, we we look at as the father of faith. Right. We look at Abraham as the one who God made all these promises to. You know, uh, the the Israelite people derive back to Abraham, and that's where they take their 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 historical calling and their historical yeah. framework from, and everything else. Like this is the father of even. Protestantism because we spiritually are children of Abraham because of the faith that we have in Christ. And here in verse seven, it is saying that Abraham is inferior to Melchizedek, right? That's a wild statement. That kind of, (laughs) that kind of gives like a really good glimpse into the relationship that Abraham and Melchizedek had. And again, we only get like five verses in the old Testament about their relationship, but here, because Abraham is giving a tenth of everything he had. So we kind of see like this whole concept of the tithe again. Like you only gave the tithe to the person who was superior above you. right? Like the person that you answered to is who you gave the tithe to. That's one of the reasons why we still give tithe to the Lord because we answer to the Lord and we give back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So here Abraham is recognizing that and Melchizedek blesses him for that.
1: Yeah. So interestingly enough, when... When we see here that we see the idea that the writer is giving us the thought that Abraham is less than than Melchizedek, it's it's not in the it's not in the sense that he is of lesser value than Abraham,
0: but more so hierarchy.
1: Exactly, it's more of a hierarchical. Um, approach at the time that this occurred. Mm.
0: This was before. um, This is before the covenant. Yeah. Because when you go back to Genesis, it's not Abraham, it's Abram. Mm -hmm. And he's not Abraham. He's not
1: Abraham. Until the covenant happens Mm -hmm. between him and the Lord. Exactly. There, you know, there was, there was a work that the Lord was still doing in Abraham's life Mm -hmm. before the covenant was made. And I think that this is something that occurred in Abraham's life before um, he got his promises that, you know, that the Lord would make him a great nation and all Mm -hmm. these things. This is not a point of inferiority that there was, but this is just a position that, this is the person who Abraham is answering to at this time. This is Abraham's spiritual authority mm. at this time. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's worth noting that, and it's something that we can even apply to ourselves even today, mm-hmm. is that there are moments in our lives where, where we are going to be learning from people with spiritual authority. There are, there should be, there are people in our lives that we should have as spiritual authorities over us because they will be a blessing to us. Mind Mm you, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Mm -hmm. He told him and he encouraged him, hey, these, uh, the kings of these countries and of these city states and of these places that you're going to be approaching, they're not going to overtake you. He encouraged him. He gave him words of affirmation. He gave him everything that he needed, in order to catapult Abraham further into um, faithfulness and in his ministry. And mm. I think that that the work of Melchizedek at that moment in time was extremely crucial and critical. Um, and I would, you know, I just want to, I just want to say that there is. Obviously, we're talking about a priest here. We're talking about a king of a place, right, right? Right. But keeping that in light of of who we are as Christians today, I think that we we ought to be better at encouraging people that <clears throat> will sometimes see us as spiritual authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be people that are younger than us mm-hmm. that are going to be looking up to us that that need to be encouraged. That need to be um, be blessed with, with um, wise um, with wise words, with wise words mm-hmm. to implore people to to continue pursuing the Lord, to continue to um, encourage younger believers mm. to hey continue being faithful. Yeah. I know that things seem bleak right now, and you might be in the midst of a war. You might be in the midst of a struggle but continue pursuing the Lord. And you don't know what the Lord is going to do in that person's life. Mm. Like we see as a Testament in the life of Abraham. Right. Uh, where later on, Abraham is a very big deal, oh, yeah. especially in the context that it's being
0: written in, mm-hmm. in, in this, um, especially and, in the, in the and, context and, of Hebrews. And later on in Hebrews where there's a whole chapter dedicated. Exactly. To that. Exactly. And I think, I think what's cool is what, what, what you're saying is, um, what well, you're saying—the encouragement to continue pursuing the Lord—I uh, think plays into the rest of this chapter, because we 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 learn who Melchizedek is, and it really kind of sets up this relationship of of a a, a quote unquote superior authority uh, like authority figure within mm-hmm. the spiritual realm uh, for someone who's cultivating someone else, right? Someone who's discipling someone else. Essentially, you're like just kind of keeping after their spiritual well-being. Um, and I think that's what the, 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 that's what the author of Hebrews is constantly trying to do with the people that he's writing to in the sense of I'm trying to get you guys to understand that, you know, there are deeper doctrines that you have right. to understand to continue pursuing the Lord. Right. So here he makes that shift now where he compares Jesus to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood for under it, the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arrive to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is change for when there is a change in the priesthood there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe for which no one has ever served at the altar, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but the power of an indestructible life.
1: There's a lot there. There's a lot
0: in there. And I think that you really need to understand the law. This is why the author of Hebrews at the end of chapter five said, we're getting away from the milk and we're going into deeper doctrines. Get ready. Get ready. Because this is the point where you now need to go back into the Levitical law. You need to go back into Leviticus and you need to start reading what it meant to be a priest, yeah. what it meant to be a high priest, who could be a priest. And what we're seeing here is that the only people that could be a priest derived from the line of Aaron. Yeah, from the tribe of from the tribe of Levi. Levi, which is Moses' brother. Yeah, this is where things start to get not. I don't want to say messy.
1: Well, this is interesting <laughs> because what what uh, really gets complex. What the what the writer here is trying to do, and let's let's keep this in let's let's keep the context mm-hmm. in order not to get lost in the weeds because there's so much going on mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And the writer does, you know, he does, you know, remind us in chapter 5, hey, be careful because we're about to dive deep here. Mm-hmm. We're about to start cutting some steak. It's time to move on um, from milk and cookies. The point of this of this text, of this whole book, is to encourage Jewish Christians or, Christ- or Jews who have become Christians mm-hmm. to continue pursuing Jesus Jesus, and continue to remain faithful to Christ. But there were a lot of Jews at that time who had converted that were still hung up on keeping to Old Testament rituals, Old Testament practices, you know, religious effects and things like that. Holding on to, you know, the idea of angels, holding on to mm-hmm. the idea of uh, the temple sacrifice and all of these things. Uh that ultimately Jesus came to fulfill. (coughs) And one of the things that, that the writer here is doing is, is reminding us that, hey, if Melchizedek would have been perfect, then he would have been your great high priest. Right. But he's not your great high priest. (coughs) Jesus is the high priest whom absorbed our, you know, who, who made atonement for our sins. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, he didn't come. Jesus didn't come from the tribe of Levi either.
0: Hmm.
1: He is from a he is from the Davidic line, well, from the line of Judah.
0: Well, so it's, what's even more interesting is just like the comparison that they're making, where it's like Melchizedek was before the tribe of Levi even existed, before Levi was even a person. Before, yeah. Before before Levi was even one of the 12 sons of Jacob, mm-hmm. one of the 12 sons of Israel, before he was even a tribe, yeah. Melchizedek was there before. So it's like, here's someone who was outside the tribe, outside the covenant, before the law. Yeah, That's the crazy part. That is the crazy part. Here's someone that was before the law that was a high priest. And now we have someone who's from a tribe that is not considered to be a priestly tribe. Yeah who follows in that same priestly order as Melchizedek. Wow. He's before the law. That, that, and that just came to me. Jesus is before the law.
1: Well, no, absolutely. Like, absolutely. And I think this is where, this is where the writer of Hebrews is trying to keep the context and he's trying to, and he's trying to keep the attention and the focus of those Jewish believers who are just hung up on religious order.
0: No, we need a Levitical priest. We need a Levitical priest.
1: Yeah, Jesus can't be our great high priest because he's not Levite. He's not Levite. He's not Levite. Well, the writer here points back to Abraham and saying, hey, look, look at your father Abraham. Mm -hmm. The father of your faith paid tithe was blessed by Melchizedek, who is not a Levite Either. Hmm. So much so that Aaron wasn't even born yet.
0: And Levi would have paid tithes to Melchizedek. He would have because paid tithes he to him was too. In Abram's loins.
1: So um, you know, this is <laughs> this is I mean think about it. I mean it's pretty funny to to think about. But the idea here is solely that like you said, I mean, and you said it well. Jesus is way before the law, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the focus that the writer of Hebrews is trying to t- give us. That before the law comes Jesus. Mm. After the law comes Jesus. Comes Jesus. If 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 Jesus isn't the center and the focus of your attention, mm. the law is of to no value to you. Mm. Think about that. Think about that. The law can do nothing for you Hmm. if Jesus isn't the ultimate answer and the ultimate uh, satisfaction and the ultimate
0: sacrifice. Because Hmm. the law, genuinely, what does the law really do for us? The The law does, what does it really do? So when we look at the law, the law doesn't make anyone perfect. Absolutely not. What does the law do? Adhering to the law doesn't make anyone perfect. The, the, The purpose of the law was... God showing His people that they were sinful. That's it, and that they needed to make atonement for their sacrifices. And I love it because here, like, if we continue reading in Hebrews it. seven, it kind of even starts to, to 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 lay this all out for us. Seventeen, for it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse eighteen, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God, and it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, "The Lord has sworn and and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever." That's that's mm. taken from Psalm one ten. Yeah. This makes Jesus the guarantor, the guarantor of our of a better covenant. Know. Hmm. Do we keep reading? Absolutely. <coughs> yeah, because you kind of have to read this whole thing in one yeah. section if not it's not going to make sense. Verse 23, for former the former priests were many in number Do it. Give it to us. If you
1: can't say amen. You ought to say ouch. Mm.
0: Come on. Mm. Thank you, Vody.
1: So, you know, it, thinking about this text, there's one thing that we get from uh, you know as believers, right? As as Protestant Christians who. You know, Sam and I before before we started recording, we you know we were going back and forth, and we were probably talking about this for a good hour. Mm-hmm. Um, considering this text for ourselves, and the big question that came to both of us, or um, that was brought up, was this text has nothing to do with us. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> this, text, this text has. We have little to do. Um, this text has little relevance. Little relevance to the Protestant. To the Protestant. Because it's solely focused on encouraging Jewish believers to to take light of the fact that Abraham answered to someone who wasn't a Levite. Mm. I also consider that this text and Abraham and Melchizedek's relationship was critical. To the priesthood of Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is why I think that. It, w- it came at a perfect time. Yeah. It came before the covenant was made. It came before Levi or Aaron were born. Mm-hmm. And on top of that. If... Let me, let me, let me develop this idea real quick. Hmm. Check this out. If Jesus, if this relationship between Melchizedek and Abraham wasn't, wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. If Melchizedek never blessed Abraham, because we're over here thinking, okay, thanks guys. How does this relate to us? There would be no validity hmm. to the priesthood of Jesus hmm. without the without the relationship
0: of Abraham and Melchizedek.
1: Yeah. Because Melchizedek wasn't a a, a Levite. Right. Because yeah. Abraham was blessed by him, because Abraham paid him tithe hmm. as a spiritual authority. It solidifies the fact that Jesus, as our great high priest, is able to be our great high priest without being a Levite. Without there being Jewish scholars and without there being... The Lord anticipated the hang-ups that later believers, that later skeptics mm-hmm. that later individuals would have about Jesus's lineage that he embedded into the first book of scripture mm. that your great high priest was not necessarily going to come from the tribe of Levi mm. and that's okay mm. why Because the one that I am sending you is above the law. It's greater than the law.
0: Mm, That's profound.
1: Because the one that I'm sending you is going to fulfill much more than what the law can ever fulfill in your life.
0: Mm. And, and, and further, while while that mainly applies towards encouraging the, the Jewish audience that the author of Hebrews is writing to, to continue to pursue Christ, to continue to consider him to be their high priest, who is there forever Right. for the Protestant, for the Christian. What that means for us is, and, and, I, and, I, and I love what it puts here in verse 22, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Mm. Because when we look at the Old Testament, when we look at the covenant that was set back then, it was the covenant of the law. Yeah. It was the it was the covenant of a sacrificial system. It was the covenant of daily atonement. It was it was the it was it was. I think it's it's, it's cool because it, it's it, you really. Ha- I'm going to encourage everyone to go read the section of the priesthood in the Book of Leviticus because it really has to do a lot of understanding this chapter. Um, because here where it starts talking about. Um, uh, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Like, even it, by the age of 55, you had to retire as a priest. You could no longer be a priest at the age of 55. So even even before their death, they had to retire as priests. Like, you have you have a finite person who is there. Yeah. And there's this whole system of laws that you had to abide by. And now... You don't have to abide by that same covenantal law. Mm-hmm. You abide by you. You abide by a different covenant, of course. Like Jesus came not to abolish the law but to fulfill it. Fulfill it. <clears throat> but in, in in the same essence, there is a new, better covenant that was made through Jesus being the high priest of it, and being and being the atonement for it being the sacrifice for that covenant which Uh i think is which i think is where it really lands for the protestant yep like where it really lands for us as christians and believers of jesus and disciples of, of of christianity that's where it really lands with this for us to really take away because again it for all intents and purposes Chapter 7 really has nothing to do with us. <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's, hard. it's hard. It's it's it's, it's hard. It's very challenging to to find uh, an an application yeah. for ourselves in Chapter 7. But I don't think it's meant for that. But it's not meant for that. I, I th-
1: think I think it's more of 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 I I want to say that Chapter 7 is is more of an academic and scholastic yeah. um, affirmation mm-hmm. of the priesthood of Jesus. Absolutely. Like a validation yes. to any hang up that any scholar, any uh, anyone kind of learned in mm-hmm. Jewish and ancient <laughs> Ju- ancient Jewish history yeah. um, could have. Hmm. I think I think that Chapter Seven is a very good
0: rebut. Yes. To any any claim that could be made by anyone out there. And I think and I think what it can also do for us is help us understand that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, for our sins, for this new covenant, this better covenant that was instituted mm-hmm. with His death and His resurrection. I, th- I think what that really does for us in here is that it shows us that that sacrifice, that that atonement is permanent. Yeah. I think it, it goes hand in hand with, with the last episode of God's immutability of his unchanging nature, where it's even, even here in Psalm 10, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Absolutely. Like, his His atonement is forever. So I mean, for the Christian who needs encouragement, man, your salvation is permanent. Absolutely, your salvation is permanent because Jesus is a permanent High Priest who has made atonement once for all time. Absolutely,
1: and I think that's 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 a wonderful encouragement Absolutely. to to remember and to consider that we have such a great High Priest. That has made atonement for us permanently for all eternity. Mm-hmm. But this is this is also where the thought takes me as to, man, what's Jesus doing right now? Like literally for real, like what is he doing right now uh, in heaven? Like, uh-huh. is he like hanging out, chilling with the disciples, you know, <laughs> kicking back and and just welcoming people to the pearly gates? No, he is also eternally interceding for us mm. as our great high priest i mean that and that is and that is an unchanging truth that like mm. he's never going to change that he's never. always going to be interceding there for us mm. as our great high priest uh, for me that's that's always encouraging that's to know that bro like thanks for your prayers, but I brought Jesus praying for me. I appreciate that.
0: Um, And that goes into a whole multitude of other things and topics and even just heresies that came up in the church of.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, what's interesting is that the uh, Melchizedek, I have seen a lot of people use Melchizedek to venerate him to the level of like a God. Hmm. To try to like venerate him to, to the level of Jesus or higher than Jesus or even saying that because Melchizedek was around and the scriptures say that he was greater than Abraham, that there has <laughs> to be a God greater than the one that Abraham <laughs> served. And it's like, man, you guys, are so, you guys have twisted this in such a way. That it's just, you're so far gone. Mm -hmm. But that's absolutely so far from the truth. Because Melchizedek is here to
0: validate Jesus. Mm -hmm. And while we hardly knew Melchizedek, we can very well know who Jesus is. Absolutely. I love that. Mm. Grace and peace, y'all. Love you guys.